we have come here to praise our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no one, no one that even compares with Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Hallelujah. You thought I was finished with Romans. Well, I got inspired at one more time. You know, it was, it's been a year now since we've been in the book of Romans. And as I told you, this is my first run through, as a pastor, through the whole book of Romans. Yes, I've preached other sermons here and there out of Romans, but never from chapter 1 to chapter 16. It has been a wonderful experience for me. You have provided an opportunity for me to delve into this book like I never have before. And I trust that you have gotten a taste of it and are not going to forget this for a long time. The Gospel of God concerning Jesus Christ. Seven truths of Jesus' resurrection. And as I was kind of mulling this over the last two or three weeks as to how we were going to wrap up Romans, it really started rehearsing in my brain. You know, buried in Romans is the resurrection. And I thought it's mentioned a couple of times, but maybe it's even more. And I discovered that, yes, it's much more, but it seems to be hidden there because it's the premise by which Paul is speaking and writing to the Roman Christians. In fact, in order to be an apostle, you had to be having walked with Jesus. But you know what? Paul never walked with Jesus. But he qualified as a follower, but as an apostle, a Johnny come lately, so to speak, because he met Jesus, the risen, resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. And that qualified him to be called an apostle. Wow. That is amazing. That's amazing credentials. And so he didn't say, well, you know, I knew Jesus as he walked on the earth. Paul couldn't relate to that, at least on a personal basis. He listened to a lot to the, to the other apostles and the disciples and the followers of Jesus. But understanding that he would be dead, lost in his law, his Phariseeism, in his religion, without knowing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ if it hadn't been for the Damascus encounter. Have you ever thought about that in your own life? If you hadn't met Jesus Christ, what difference, what kind of a life would you be having right now if you hadn't met Jesus Christ? Have you thought about that? It's pretty sobering. But many of your relatives, your friends, your neighbors, the people you bump into on the street, that's where they are. They don't have Jesus. They don't know the resurrection. They don't know that life. He's alive. And we're not trying to convince ourselves. We are so overcome by that truth 
by that understanding. Let's dig into seven truths of the resurrection. First one is the proof of Jesus' sonship. Second is the purpose of his resurrection. The third, it's through the glory of the Father to produce fruit for the Creator. And life is through the Spirit of God that has been given to us. And our intercessor is standing at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding for us here and for those that we pray for, that we stand there saying, Father, send your spirit to my mother, to my dying dad, to my brother, my friend that I've known since Yochen. Because the message that we have is very simple. It's a heart belief and a mouth confession. As simple as that. The proof of Jesus' sonship, Romans 1, 3 to 4 and 6, is concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. If Jesus had not been resurrected, not been raised, and by the way, we say that sometimes it's mistakenly saying that Jesus rose up from the grave and conquered. Well, that is just a little bit off. Jesus did not rise up on his own power from the grave. He was raised from the dead. The father said, this this son has qualified. The first Adam did not qualify. He brought life. He, He sent life down the way to all of us because God had breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and it was passed down to us. But something else was passed down to us, and that was sin. As he and Eve disobeyed, and we were trapped as humanity. No hope. But God gave signs along the way. The lamb that was slain, or the animal, to clothe their nakedness and their shame, the ark. Only eight were saved. There was also prophecies. There will come one out of Bethlehem. And then an angel comes to a young girl, maybe only 16 years old. You're going to give birth to the Savior. How can it be? I don't Know a man. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. A miracle. And God sidestepped Adam and produced through humanity the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit came upon her and she became the mother of the one who would become 
our Savior. And the only man that could ever hang on a cross for purpose. Hundreds, possibly thousands, had died on crosses for nothing other than their crimes or other than the government didn't like them. But there was one that hung there on the cross for us, for all of humanity that would believe. And that was Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. Purpose of his resurrection, Romans 4, 24 to 25. But for our sake also, to whom it was credited, as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. We covered this in that God in his plan, it might look like he pulled some strings, some legal strings to make this happen, that Jesus Christ could come and die for you and me when there was no connection. But God is just, remember? We studied that in Romans. God is just, and he had to be just because he is just and holy. And so he didn't pull any strings. He didn't work it out behind in the courtroom in an office saying, look, I want this person released from this crime. God didn't do that. He did it in public. And so the God, man, Jesus Christ, who walked in the same weakness of our flesh, yet without sin, became the Savior for every man, woman, and then child who would believe, who would confess him as the answer. Therefore, having been justified by faith, not by works of our own. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are no longer at war with God. We're no longer his enemy. He has brought us in because of Jesus Christ. That's a hallelujah right there. That we have not been bypassed. That we are legally his children. through the glory of the Father. You know, it says that man is the glory of God, but we let him down. We didn't give him glory through who we are. Our sin is not a glory to him. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die and be buried. And the Father recognized he was the perfect Lamb of God the perfect sacrifice, the completed sacrifice, better than all of the sacrifices, the thousands, perhaps millions of animals and blood that had been slain through the centuries to get our sin away from us, to cleanse us. It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God. As a man, he overcame the sin that so clogged our veins 
clogged our lives and separated us from the Father. What a Savior. And it was all for the glory of the Father. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so you too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So that is the promise that we, as sons and daughters of the Father, bring glory to him every day. This is just a small congregation. This is just a small a speck in a bucket of people that are meeting this Sunday morning throughout the world, worshiping the risen Lord. Think about that. We boast in the fact that we're from how many different nations? We're so international here, we don't even know that there's a difference between being Japanese and international or, or American or Canadian or Indonesian or Malaysian or whatever. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's, if you look around, this is what heaven's going to look like. I should have each one of you individually come here and just walk past here and just take a look and see what I'm seeing. This is wonderful. This is the body of Christ. This is to the glory of the Father. And we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. We're changed. It might not look like it on the outside. I know the difference. And I trust that you're learning to know the difference when you look at me and I look at you. That we can forgive on the basis of what he has done for us. We are forgiven. And we don't have to work and work and work to make ourselves better. To be more approved. To be more accepted. One of the problems in our world today is people that are trying, trying, trying to be accepted. Trying to be in. I don't think there's been an age in in the world that is so much entangled in social media trying to prove you're somebody. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives He lives it to God. Get this. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin. But where are we? Where are we? Where are we, folks? I'm alive! We're alive! We're alive. We are alive. We're alive. Because of him and what he has done for us and we didn't deserve a bit of it 
Remember when Jesus was praying, John 17, it says, Father, I desire that they, my disciples, my followers, whom you have given me, be with me where I am so that they may see my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me from the foundation of the world. We are in Christ. Consider ourselves in Christ. Paul says that over and over and over again in Romans. Why? To produce fruit. You know what today is? It's the resurrection day, right? You know what? Today is the first day of first fruits. It was a, there were about three festivals that were running concurrent with the Passover. Did you know that? It was the Passover itself, but there was also the first fruits, and there was also the unleavened bread. We're all running concurrent. And so this is what Paul is kind of focusing in on, to produce fruit. And fruit means something's not dead, it's alive, and it's proving something. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead. Paul here, if you'll remember, was mixing his metaphors with a bride had had, uh, lost her husband and she was free now from, from him since he died so that you might be joined to another. Okay, take that metaphor and bring it in then into our relationship with Jesus Christ. To him who was raised from the dead. That's who now we are related to. We're not related to our old fleshly self. We've died to that. We are free from the law of sin and death. Get that in your heads, Christians. Get it in your heads so that you have this as you're conscious walking out the Christian life. Very important. I'm afraid that the preaching that is happening today thinks that this is too hard a concept for the normal Christian or the average Christian to understand. I trust that this church will understand what it means to be in Christ and to be alive in God. We need to get that in our understanding. That we're freed from our past life and sin. And we're walking in Jesus Christ. Not by our own works. Not by our own energy. By that Spirit of God that he's been given to us. In order that we might bear fruit for God. So that we serve in newness of the Spirit. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells, lives, takes residence in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who resides, who lives, who hangs out in you. Get that. Get that. The Christian life is hard, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is if you're trying too hard. But if you understand what you have in power of the Holy Spirit in order to be able to turn away from that sin that so easily comes in and upsets your apple cart, so to speak. God is wonderful in his plan for us. Jesus promised in John 15, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. It's a promise. That is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will speak about me. And it's that small voice you hear. Not by your physical ear, but by the conscience that God has placed within you. Ron, put that away. Set that aside. You don't want to go there. You're my son. Daughter of mine, it's not worth it to to go in this way. Turn away from it. Don't go that way. My love, my grace, my power is sufficient for you. But not only that, but we have an intercessor. Do you know what an intercessor is? It's someone that, that stands before a judge and says, he doesn't deserve death. I'll take it. I took it for him. And so it's like a credit card that you have. No, it's better than the credit card you have. At least it's better than the credit card I have. That I can pull that out and say it, Jesus, you died for me. You paid the price. You are interceding for me now. I believe it. I walk in it. That's the power that allows me to walk away from sin and guilt and condemnation and be what you planned for me to be. Romans 8, 34 and 35. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised. Who was at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. And as Paul spoke, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? There's nothing shall separate us. We need to get the truth of what God has given us in his word. Go through the book of Romans at least once a year, okay? Maybe a little quicker than what I have, but go through it. Learn it. Get it. And finally, heart belief and mouth confession. The Christian life seems to be so complicated and so impossible for any of us to walk as Christians. That's a lie. The Christian walk to become a Christian is the simplest thing you could do. Heart belief and mouth confession. Paul says, but what does it say? The word is near you. If you know about Jesus Christ, if you have heard about Jesus Christ, 
the only Savior in the world, and you turn away, there is no hope for you. There really isn't. That's why we need to be sharing with our relatives, our friends, giving them an opportunity to believe in him. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved? What does saved mean? What is saved? It basically means you are saved from your sins that are counting against you and are putting you in hell. And Jesus comes along and says, No, this is mine. You've been saved by confessing with your mouth Jesus Christ, believing in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Just an interesting little thing here I I saw. In verse 9 it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And then he says in verse 10, for with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. Do you see what I'm seeing there? First he says, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. And then he says, for with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. Well, it's the same thing, but it's turned in order. Why? Why did Paul, did he get mixed up, just like I often do up here? If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and then he says, with the heart you believe, and with the mouth you confess. Well, it's simple. He's explaining it, but he turned it around as he explained it. Why? You know what I believe? Paul is saying, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus says, Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's from our side. That's from our side, okay? We confess with our mouth. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ that he died for me. God is hearing that, seeing that, and he sees your heart. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. He's the one that's working there. You get it? It's God's side and our side. Does that make sense to you? Isn't that just phenomenal? We interface with the living God. That's who we are accountable to. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to walk in Christ every day. And we walk out that salvation promise constantly. It's constant. Believing in your heart. Confessing with your mouth. That's the way we walk as believers. Salvation message, you betcha it is. Not just for one who has confessed for the first time, 
And we're thankful for those who have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord. That's great. Now, continue walking in that. Confessing with your mouth. Believing in your heart. Confessing with your mouth. Believing in your heart. And God is right there with you. That's the Christian life. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy that follows us all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.